you're about to enter into a new world of knowledge, curiosities, and high strangeness. This is a podcast of Straight Up Strange Productions. Matchin once wrote that strange things are lost and forgotten in obscure corners of the newspaper. Welcome to Forgotten Darkness, a podcast that will aim to prove that that statement is true. I feel like I apologize a lot on here, but I've really got to apologize for the massive length of time since my last episode. A lot of things came up all at once, and well, and well, you know, I'm out of my long mental funk of non-motivation now. I think part of it was also just disappointment. I picked a story I wanted to do, and there wasn't nearly as much to it as I had thought there would be. I'm still doing it, that's the episode coming up, but just know ahead of time that it's going to be a short one. For probably as long as mankind has existed, we've been cataloging the heavens. Our knowledge has grown by leaps and bounds, expanding from what we saw with our unaided eyes, to what we could see with the aid of telescopes, to being able to measure the forces of gravity at work in the cosmos, and not being limited to what we could see at all. It's this last development, particularly, that's led to the theorizing of many of the hypothetical planets. Hypothetical planets have technically existed since at least ancient Greece, when the philosopher Philolaus proposed a counter-Earth, orbiting at a set distance from Earth, and used to help explain eclipses in a time before the orbits of celestial bodies were really understood. In 1645, Italian astronomer Francesco Fontana saw what appeared to be a moon of the planet Venus, and in both 1672 and 1686, Fellow Italian Giovanni Cassini, working at the Paris Observatory, made his own sightings. The moon was named Neith, after an Egyptian goddess of creation. Several other astronomers throughout the 1700s made their own observations of Neith. But doubts existed among others, with William Herschel failing to find the satellite, and the director of the Vienna Observatory theorizing that the moon was actually just a reflection of Venus, a lens flare. It was finally determined, however, that most of the sightings of Neith had probably resulted from misidentifications of stars. A perceived deviation from the Titius Bode Law, a mathematical concept putting forth that each planet in a given solar system should be about twice as far from the Sun as the preceding one, resulted in the hypothesis of the planet Phaethon. The law holds up for the most part, with only fairly minor deviations. However, a sizable leap exists between Mars and Jupiter. Distances would seem to dictate that another planet should exist between the two. In 1801 and 1802, Giuseppe Piazzi and Heinrich W. M. Olbers found two sizable asteroids, Ceres and Pallas, in the asteroid belt between Mars and Jupiter. 
Olbers hypothesized that as the position of the asteroid belt corresponded to where the Tidious Bood Law said a planet should be, that the asteroids were actually all that remained of a planet that had formerly been there. The former existence of Phaethon was a controversy which persisted into the 1970s and 80s. Most astronomers today think that the asteroid belt is what remains of a planet that was beginning to form at one time. Sort of a reverse Phaethon. It wasn't destroyed, it never existed in the first place. In 1906, Percival Lowell determined that, in his opinion, the orbital patterns of Uranus and Neptune suggested the existence of a planet X beyond those two. The search for Planet X led to the discovery of Pluto in 1930, although this was still believed to not be Planet X. Recently, of course, Pluto has been downgraded and is no longer even considered a planet as such. In 1989, the Voyager 2 space probe collected data by the means of which it was determined that the previous calculations of planetary mass were incorrect and the orbits of Uranus and Neptune were what was to be expected. The hypothesis of Planet X was discarded. The Kuiper Belt beyond Neptune is home to several of what are termed dwarf planets, the aforementioned Pluto, Eris, Orcus, Haumea, Quauar, Makimaki, and Gongong. At least two hypothetical planets relate to this region. Some still see anomalies in the orbits of these objects, which would support Lowell's Planet X. In 1904, American astronomer Thomas Jefferson Jackson C., almost all of whose theories were later disproven, theorized about no less than three large planets beyond Neptune. These he called Oceanus, Transoceanus, and one which he never formally named. In 1902, based on an examination of anomalies in the pathways of different comets, Dr. Theodore Griegel of Munster also theorized about the existence of a planet about the size of Uranus, which he called Hades. Hello. Would you like to drink cocktails and talk about poison? Or drink poison and talk about cocktails? Then welcome to The Poisoner's Cabinet, a weekly podcast mixing true crime, historic mysteries, a dash of comedy, and lots of lovely libations for your listening pleasure. Join us for a drink as we tell the story of a different deadly poisoner each week. We always start by whipping up a cocktail inspired by the tale that we tell. Ooh, sounds delicious. Ooh, so maybe an amaretto sour for a cyanide poisoning? Long Island iced tea for the teacup poisoner. Chicken for William Palmer? What? Nothing. Join Nick and Sinead every Friday inside the Poisoner's Cabinet as we look at vicious Victorians, inheritance powders, and crimes of poisonous passion. Follow us at the Poisoner's Cabinet on social media. Subscribe and share on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, your loved ones are trying to kill you. The story of the most famous of these spurious planets, however, begins in the 1840s. Francois Arago, director of the Paris Observatory, commissioned an employee of the observatory, mathematician and astronomer Urbain Leverrier, to undertake a study of the orbit of the planet Mercury. The British scientist Thomas Dick had theorized about an intermercurial planet as far back as 1838 as had fellow Frenchman Jacques Babinet in 1846. The orbit as Leverrier observed it, however, failed to match up with the path he theorized using Newtonian principles. 
The anomalies noted were comparable to those that had led Leverrier to the discovery of Neptune in 1846. So therefore, he theorized, the other two scientists must have been correct, and there was a planet between Mercury and the Sun. This planet he provisionally named Vulcan, using a name proposed by Babinet. On January 2, 1860, Leverrier, now director of the observatory, formally presented his findings in a paper. He proposed that one or more small planets probably lay between Mercury and the Sun. Shortly before he presented this paper, he had received a letter from a man named Edmund Modeste Lescarbault. Lescarbault was a medical doctor and an amateur astronomer from Orgère en Beauce. He had been observing the face of the sun since 1853, reasoning that if the planet were present at the theorized place, it would be most visible as it passed in front of the sun. On March 26, 1859, he said, he had observed a round object passing in front of the sun at a relatively speedy pace, traversing about a quarter of the way across the disk in 15 minutes. Leverrier traveled to Orgère soon after. Dubious of Lescarbault's observations, he was most likely looking to prove them false. Why, exactly, he would be so eager to disprove a sighting apparently backing up his own assertions isn't too clear, but Leverrier had a well-known reputation as quite an ill-tempered man, and it's probable that because he didn't make the observation, it was false. When the two men met, Though the Parisian was at first highly dubious, over time he became convinced that though not formally trained as an astronomer or mathematician, Lescarbault had, indeed, observed the predicted planet. Now convinced that Vulcan had moved from the realm of the theoretical into reality, Leverrier undertook a series of calculations, placing Vulcan at a distance of 13 million miles from the Sun, determining a probable orbit and a period April 3rd to October 6th, in which the planet would be most easily visible. Lescarbault, meanwhile, determined that the planet was approximately a quarter the size of Mercury. Its theorized density, however, was too small to account for the perceived anomalies in the orbit of Mercury. Other astronomers, however, didn't see the planet, although there was no shortage of people looking. Emmanuel Liai, a Frenchman working in Brazil, said that he had been examining exactly that portion of the sun as had Lescarbault, with a much more powerful telescope, and seen nothing. On January 29, 1860, an Englishman named F.A.R. Russell claimed to have observed the planet traversing the sun, and an American named Richard Covington also claimed a sighting. Vulcan was also supposedly seen on March 20, 1862, by a Mr. Lummis from Manchester, England. But despite countless searches, the planet was not again observed until 1875. On April 4th of that year, a German astronomer named Weber, working in China, declared that he had seen what appeared to be Vulcan, although others felt that what he saw was only a sunspot. The Swiss astronomer Rudolf Wolf collected a number of older sightings of anomalous sunspots from between 1761 and 1865, which he felt may- might have been Vulcan. There was a total eclipse of the sun on July 29, 1878. During this eclipse, Professor J.C. Watson of Ann Arbor, Michigan claimed that he saw two intramercurial planets. In the vicinity of the darkened sun, he located the star named Zeta Cancri, and nearby to it there was another star named Theta Cancri. 
A short distance east of Theta Cancri was a luminous body he took for a planet. Then, on closer observation, he concluded that what he had at first taken for Zeta Cancri was, in itself, a planet. Independently of Watson's observation, another observer named Lewis Swift claimed to have located a planet near Theta Cancri. Years later, it was theorized that what Wat- that Watson had aired in his observation and that what he at first took for Zeta Cancri was in fact that star and not a planet at all, and that the other nearby star he took for Theta Cancri was another star altogether. Also part of the Vulcan saga was an American weather forecaster named John H. Tice. He was publisher of an almanac and was particularly interested in cyclones. His method for predicting the appearance of cyclones, he said, drew on the movements of both Mercury and Vulcan. He also claimed to have seen Vulcan at one point. But though the presence of Vulcan was generally believed into the early years of the 20th century, by 1915 it was relegated to the status of merely another planet that had been theorized at one time. With the development and publication of Einstein's theories, the anomalies Leverrier had noticed about the orbit of Mercury were found to be, well, not really anomalies at all. The nature of a planet's orbit wasn't really understood precisely at the time, and so the existence of Vulcan was disproven and forgotten by most. That said, at least some scientists still allow for the possibility of its existence, in part, anyway. There are some theories about the existence of an intermercurial asteroid belt, which have been provisionally named Vulcanoids in a a reference to the formerly theorized planet. And that's the end of this episode. As always, a list of sources consulted for this episode can be found in the show description, and photos associated with this week's story will be on my Instagram at Forgotten Darkness. If you have a question, a comment, or if you know a lesser-known story that you'd like to see covered, leave a comment on the podcast page, post to the Facebook page at Forgotten Darkness Podcast, or send it to our email at ForgottenDarknessPodcast at gmail.com. I'm also on Twitter at Forgotten Darkness Podcast, and you can DM me ideas there. There's links to all these pages in the show description as well. And so, until next time, this is Andrew, signing off. Discover more shows like this one at straightupstrange.com.